Hello and welcome to our first year of Mattress and Stories podcast. I'm your host, Molly Vassabertolucci. I'm a licensed therapist and a maternal mental health specialist. I'm a mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. On this podcast, I talk with moms about their first year of motherhood and all of the joys, challenges, and surprises that come along with it. We share a lot of information and resources here, but this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a mental health professional. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Thanks for being here with me. Today's guest on our first year is Bernice. Bernice is a mother of three and a social worker who shares about an overwhelming, vulnerable, and miraculous first year. Bernice talks about all of the adjustment that she and her family went through in the first year, feeling like her relationship with her partner was tested and strained and how they came out the other side, knowing the importance of co-regulation. She talks about what postpartum depression and anxiety looked like for her and some of the grief that she experienced with an unexpected pregnancy and things not looking the way that she expected them to in postpartum. In talking with Bernice, I was really struck by how much self-compassion she has and just all the wisdom that she shares in this episode. I hope that you'll enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed talking with her. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Yeah, so uh, my name is Bernice. I'm 35 years old and I live in Southern California. I'm a social worker and um, I'm married. I have three kids, ages nine, five, and two. And what three words would you use to describe your first year of motherhood? Yeah, um, it was hard. It's hard to narrow it down to three. Um, but I would say my first year of motherhood was uh, overwhelming, um, vulnerable. It felt like a very vulnerable time in my life. Um, but at the same time, miraculous, you know, like mm-hmm. I could, you know, at my worst, look at this tiny little human and feel like it was just such a miracle to have her in my mm-hmm. arms and everything about her felt miraculous. So yeah, I would say overwhelming, vulnerable and miraculous. <laughs> that is a really good description. That for sure resonates with me, especially that vulnerability piece. What was the model in your head of motherhood? What did you think that your first year would be like? Um, I'd say the model in my head um, was really formed by, you know, just the the other moms in my life and women in my life. Um, I heard a lot about like the birth and labor period, like that seemed really scary. But the postpartum period in that first year, I never really heard much of, right? Like other than you have the baby, they're cute. And like, that was, that was that. (laughs) The hard part done, right? (laughs) Yeah. Hard part done. (laughs) Exactly. That was the worst. So I just expected it to be like this beautiful time of like loving and enjoying your baby. Um, You know, a time when there's like a lot of family support. Um, we, we have, so I'm Mexican and so in a lot of Latino cultures, there's something called la cuarentena. And it's a time when it's like 40 days of like, you're super well t- taken care of. Like, you know, the, the grandmas come over and cook for you and help clean for you. And so I like had that expectation of it and just felt like everyone's going to take care of me. We're going to have all this support and it's going to be a beautiful time. Um, so that was like the model in my head. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I also had this like timeline of like when motherhood was going to happen and all the things that were going to set me up to like be ready for it. Right. And that really played into my expectation of what motherhood would look like. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't turn out that way entirely. <laughs> yeah. So how did your reality match up with that expectation? Yeah, the, the reality was it was like the hardest, one of the hardest years, I think, of, of my life. Um, one of the hardest times in, in our relationship, like with my partner, now mm-hmm. hus- husband. Um, it really tested us, you know. Um, and, you know, motherhood actually came earlier for me than expected, which is why I kind of talked about my timeline. I had, you know, all these these plans that would set us up to be ready for parenthood. Um, but my partner and I, you know, had a surprise pregnancy, you know, it came a little earlier. I was in graduate school. Um, I still had a year left. He was still like very, you know, kind of much figuring out his career. Um, and so my first year of motherhood, there was a lot of grieving um, during that year, you know, of of my timeline and the things that I I wanted to do before motherhood, um, you know, graduate. I, I was able to graduate, but, you know, like graduate, get your job, your dream job, the traveling, the getting married and living together. My, my husband now, a partner then, weren't living together when this happened. So, you know, when we found out we were pregnant, we moved in together and we're just navigating so many firsts, you know, for the Mm -hmm. first time in that first year. So it was overwhelming. I think because of that, you know, there were, uh, there was a lot we were working out, um, as we were learning to be parents. Um, and then I would say like another layer that kind of complicated this is, um, you know, both my husband and I, we, we come from very traditional, um, you know, Latino Catholic backgrounds. And the expectation in these traditional backgrounds is you're married, you know, before you start having a family. And so, you know, having a child out of wedlock was like a huge deal. You know, it was a little bit of a scandal. <laughs> um, and it just brought up a lot. You know, it was a really tough you know, time for us. Um, there was like also some shame and like guilt that I was carrying with like entering motherhood before I had all these, these things, um, you know, lined up for myself. So um, that really was just like an additional layer. So like announcing my pregnancy felt different than what I had hoped for. Right. Um, and it, it kind of dulled, I think, my experience as a first time mom um, a little. Um you know, our families, of course, came around. They're absolutely in love with our baby and we're, we're so, so supportive. But, you know, that that definitely played a part in my experience um, the first mm-hmm. year, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I would say it was an overwhelming time. Um, it was a time of a lot of adjustments. Um, you know, it it put a strain in our relationship. We were arguing about things we never were had argued about before, you know, Uh, we were sleep deprived, we were tired, we were both adjusting to so much. Um, And, you know, there was this pressure of like, 
you know, because of, of that additional layer I was talking about of like the shame around having had a baby out of wedlock where we had to really prove to our families, like, we got this, you guys don't need to worry about us, right? It was kind of part of the plan. <laughs> so it, it made it really hard to like reach out, you know, and talk about our struggles that we were going through. Um, so we were felt feeling, I think, a little isolated um, because of that. We were really trying hard to like, just keep it together, uh, or at least present that way. Um, yeah, and our, our friends were like great. You know, they were so supportive. But we were the first to have babies in our in our circle of friends, so they could only help so much and understand so much as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a tough time. And and looking back now, um, you know, there were I never like got help, professional help, or reached out for support during that first year. Um, but looking back now and like in processing with with my therapist by my third child, I did get help. <laughs> um, you know, there were definitely some signs there that I probably was was going through some postpartum depression and anxiety um, and just, you know, it was never really resolved. Um, and as I learned later on, like having an unplanned pregnancy um, is actually a risk factor for a lot of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, but yeah, I, I never sought help that first year and they kind of lingered, you know, those symptoms kind of mildly for years after even. Um, so yeah, I, I finally got help with my third baby. Um, and you know, it was, it was really helpful and I, I wish, you know, that I had had that support my first year. I think it would have made a world of difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about the hard parts because, especially with an unplanned pregnancy or when things don't go according to kind of the expectation that you have in your mind, Mm -hmm. it can bring up a lot of shame that goes hand in hand with isolation. And it's kind of this cycle, right? The shame leads to isolation and the isolation leads to more shame and not knowing that how you're feeling is not your fault or that there's help for that. How did you feed your baby in the first year? So I, I tried really hard to breastfeed. Um, and with my first um, and second, I, you know, they just didn't latch. So I, I pumped a lot. <laughs> for like, I exclusively pumped for, for months, I'd say, um, like for nine months I was pumping. So that was really hard. It takes so much time <laughs> to just pump. Um, and so I, I quit many, you know, I almost quit many, many times. Um, tried really hard to get to the first year. And what kind of support did you have with that? As someone who was the first to have kids among your friend group and what kind of resources helped support you through exclusive pumping? Yeah. So no one really, um, I I think back to like family and they, they didn't breastfeed for very long, you know, like even Mm -hmm. like my mom and talking to her and and like aunts and just family around me was like, oh, like breastfeed for a month and then you're good, you know, like just do formula. But for me, that wasn't my goal at the time. I was, I really wanted to, to breastfeed as long as I could. And so I didn't find, you know, a lot of support in, in, you know, getting tips and tricks because it wasn't, it hadn't been their experience either. Right. There was maybe, there was one person that I knew was really dedicated to breastfeeding and, and she was really helpful um, but there weren't many, right? And I never saw like a lactation consultant. It just 
kind of felt like I needed to figure it out, you know, like I should know how to do this. <laughs> I thought it was just like a natural instinct that would kick in. And so there was like some, I think some guilt around that, right? Like I should be able to do this for my child. But um, once, you know, I kind of gave up on the latch, it was painful, you know, to not be able to, to have a, you know, a, a, a correct latch. Um, I was, you know, <clears throat> getting a lot of you know, I was bleeding and it was just painful. So I gave up on the latch and said, well, if I can't nurse directly, then I'm going to still pump. You know, I have a supply. And so I went that route with my first two babies. And my support was my my husband, who was, you know, the, the pump cleaner and did all the washing. And that's that's how he helped out, you know, by giving me the time to be able to to do that mm-hmm. and step away and pump. And and then we bottle fed the, the pump milk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and luckily though, by my third baby, um, I, I really, you know, wanted to make sure that this time we got the correct latch. And so I reached out by this point, more of like the people in my circle were having babies. And so there was, there was more people to talk to about it. And I also was just becoming, I think more, had become more resourceful, right. And reaching out for help. And so by my third, you know, we were able to nurse and he latched and, He's uh, over two and still nursing. So we're still going strong. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What a journey. Yeah. Each experience is so different, you know? For sure. Yes. What was sleep like in that first year? Um, sleep was rough. Uh, none of my babies responded well to sleep training. Um, they just kind of, you know, hated it. And maybe I gave up too soon. I don't know, but I, I, I couldn't deal with the crying. So we, we weren't able to really sleep train our babies. Um, we did, um, once they were a little older, like a little bit of co-sleeping, you know, kind of as safely as we could. And that really helped us get through the nights. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was definitely a rough year for all three of them. Um, you know, our kids are older now and finally sleeping in their own bed. So thankfully, sleep is starting to look up for us <laughs> after nine years. <laughs> There's hope. <laughs> There's hope. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of felt like we got through one, they're in their bed, and then we had another one. And so it's been, you know, just years of, of feeling very tired, but it's it's starting to look up. So we're there is hope. <laughs> Okay, quick break here. Being sleep deprived makes everything harder, but I want to tell you about something that made my life easier in postpartum and early parenting. My two postpartum experiences were so different from each other, but one thing they had in common was wanting my babies as close to me as possible. And the solely baby wrap made it easy for me to keep them connected to me as close as possible for our first walk around the neighborhood as a family of three, fresh out of the NICU, those 7 p.m. walks when witching hour meant she only wanted to be on mama, outside, moving, or the perfectly timed 9 a.m. moms group that she joined me at every Thursday, fast asleep on me while I got to eat and connect with other moms, and then when I became a mother of two under two and learned very quickly how much I needed my hands free. As our family has grown, our girls have grown, and the Sully Baby Wrap has grown with us. And with the new loop carrier, it lets us keep carrying them as they grow. I still want them as close as possible. Use the code poppy.therapy10 to shop at Sully Baby for 10% off. All right, back to my conversation with Bernice. 
What other challenges did you face in the first year that you didn't anticipate? So, you know, I've mentioned a, a couple, I think, already that just I, I wasn't anticipating um, the, I was not anticipating postpartum depression and anxiety. There was no plan for that, no preparation. There was, I really didn't know much about it. And, and you know, I'm I'm a social worker, right? I come from a mental health background. And even for us, there isn't a lot of training around that, right? Like what happens to moms? Um, so, you know, much less people who don't have that background. So I I wasn't prepared for that part. Um, and I wasn't prepared for just the feelings of loss, right? Of, of missing your old identity and missing that control over your schedule and your life. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. That really, um, you know, was, was a big part of that first year. And it's not, it's not what I, I didn't have that in my plans, right? To, to have those feelings. Um, so, yeah. And those feelings can be so hard to admit, even to yourself, the Mm -hmm. grief and having such a mix of emotions can be really confusing. Exactly. What did postpartum depression and anxiety look like for you? It was, for depression, it was just irritability. I was very irritable. Um, Mm -hmm. I was snapping at my partner, um, just completely thrown off my baseline and not feeling myself you know I kept just repeating to my my husband I'm like I don't feel like myself like I mm-hmm. this doesn't feel good you know and and it at first it felt like okay maybe this is the baby blues but then once it lingered on and on it just felt like this is not normal you know I I couldn't really verbalize it my first year with my first but by the time I got to my third baby right it was like, this is, this is, I know I'm, I'm completely off my baseline here and this has lingered on way too long for it to be anything normal. Right. So there was just a lot of irritability, um, just a lot of crying, you know, very sad. Um, and then the anxiety was intrusive thoughts, you know, just constantly checking on my children and thinking of all these worst case scenarios all the time. Um, that really just, you know, made it hard to enjoy being with them and enjoy the moment. So that's kind of what it looked like for me. Yeah, it sounds like it really took you away from feeling like yourself and took you away from the moment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you talked about your, the impact of an unplanned pregnancy, a rough postpartum, all of this, the impact of it on your relationship. Can you tell us a little bit more of what that looked like and how you kind of came out the other side of that? You know, we were arguing about all these new things, like, you know, you slept, how could you sleep through those cries? <laughs> you know, like that had never come up before. Um, and just like the resentment, right, that builds up around that. Um, so, you know, we were both adjusting to this new role, Um and how we got through it is, you know, communication, really, um, really talking about what our needs were. And that was really hard to do, um, just even naming our needs, right? What are our, what are our needs? Um, so communication, I would say also um, what's helped us and is something that has, has stuck with us even till this day 
is really working on co-regulation. Um, so, you know, we've had to talk a lot through when I do snap or when I, you know, am angry for whatever reason, it's, and it's not personal, right? Like it's not toward you. Like there is an unmet need. There is a reason why we've been thrown off our baseline and it's hard to verbalize that need in the moment, right? And how do we work together to co-regulate ourselves, right? Like, so, you know, we've, we've gotten really good at when we notice that in each other. Um, first, you know, make, being aware of it, right? And, and not taking it personal and knowing that, okay, something's wrong because this isn't their normal baseline, right? So they need some support right now. Um, and what can I do? And so we've talked a lot about what's helpful for each other. So for me, for example, it's sometimes I just need a hug and it's going to be really hard for me to like verbalize it in that moment. Right. So when he notices that I've, you know, I'm getting snappy or I'm getting stressed out, um, you know, sometimes he doesn't even say anything. He just kind of walks over and like holds me and like just listens and lets me vent. And like that, that helps me regulate my nervous system, right? And now I'm not as angry. Now I can really talk about what's really wrong and I can really name what that need is, right? And so we've just gotten really good at that. But that has taken a lot of years of practice and like a lot of talking through those moments um, a lot of us getting it wrong, right? And and sometimes, you know, after the fact, coming back to those moments and really reflecting on what was at the core of, of that behavior, of that action, what was it that we couldn't communicate in that moment that we really needed? So that has been, I think, the, you know, the key to us getting through this. What you're describing, such a beautiful picture of just, like collaboration of working together to support each other. And I'm so glad you named how much work it is, right? Because we might see see relationships on the outside and be like, oh, they just know what each other needs or they're just so in sync. And it we don't walk around with teleprompters on our heads telling everybody what we need. And mm-hmm. we have to let go of that like romanticized idea that our partner should just know what we need, right? Because it's it's just not the reality. And so that's such a beautiful picture of the amount of work and how worth it it is to get to a point where you do know what each other needs in those moments of really like high emotion, low cognition, and can help each other come back to a place where you can work, a place where you want to parent from and live from. Yeah, that's been really helpful. And I think just extending grace to each other, right? Like we're, we're both figuring this out together, you know, and I think one of the biggest realizations that we've had, it happened like in our first year, I would say, he would tell me, well, just tell me what you need, you know, and then I'll do it, you know, and like, cause he didn't know. Right. And, and then I'd look back at him and say, I don't know. I also don't know. Right. Like this is also new for me. I don't know how to take care of this tiny human. Like I'm learning myself. Um, so I think when we both were able to like really look at those raw moments and, and look at each other as, you know, we are both here just trying to figure it out. And 
like extend that grace to each other then and assume positive intention like we always bring that up like like we might sometimes you know partners say or do things that might come off as hurtful but when we can assume that there was positive intention behind that then we can offer grace right and then allow for repair and to for correcting the behavior yeah it sounds like really seeing each other as as teammates as partners mm-hmm. yeah what was it like for you to go back to work and to make that decision it's been different for each of my children um, mm-hmm. For my first uh, baby, I was really happy to go back to work. Um, and, you know, again, this is my first pregnancy where, you know, you know, it came sooner than, than or motherhood came sooner than I had planned. So um, I was ready to go to work. You know, it was kind of an escape for me, you know, from from this new role that I, I kind of jumped into and was feeling ill-equipped for. So um, going back to work was actually really good for me. I really needed to feel uh, myself again and to kind of have that part of my identity back. Um, so I, I went back pretty quickly. Um, I'd say around four months, um, I went back to work and, and that was helpful to me. Uh, For my second and third babies, it was the opposite. Like, I wanted the most time with them. Um, I think, you know, by this time, I had fully accepted and embraced my role as a mom and was really cherishing those moments. And so I put off work as long as we possibly could. Um, And going back to work was hard. I wanted to be with my babies. Um, And, um, you know, we've made some kind of changes in in our lifestyle where I was able to even, um, you know, go from full-time to part-time to be home a little bit more. Um, But it's changed, right? And like my my journey in motherhood has evolved and changed and my priorities have shifted, right? Um, Where my priority is, you know, being right now as much as I can with my babies. And, And that I think speaks to just having accepted this season in my life you know, and that was the, that was the um, challenging part in my first year of motherhood with my first baby, that I was fighting that season a little bit, I think. Wow, that, that makes sense. Well, how did the idea of self-care shift for you during the first year? It felt non-existent for a little bit. <laughs> um, it, it took a while, I think, to, to figure out how to incorporate that back into my life um, because it was going to look very different. Um, you can't just pick up and go <laughs> with a baby. So it took more planning. It took tapping into my support system a lot more. Um, and, you know, it was it was possible, but it was, you know, it had to be very much planned and um and t- had to be intentional about it mm-hmm. um but yeah as as often as i could you know i i got away um even if that meant you know having a coffee break on my own in the car uh but just having those few minutes to myself um you know became really important and it's something that my my husband and I prioritize and and we schedule around to make sure that you know we get our own time because that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a moment or a period of time 
that stands out to you most looking back on the first year? Um, yeah, actually, um, thinking back to being that first year, I can think of, you know, my, my husband was at work and I'm home alone with this baby. It was probably, yeah, within those first three months. And I remember sitting there looking at this baby and thinking, you know, when is the mom coming? (laughs) It just felt like I am a child. I don't know. I don't, I am not ready for this. When is the mom coming to take care of this baby? You know, um, I just couldn't believe I'm the person, you know, like I, like I'm, I'm mom, you know? And so I remember having that kind of like little mini crisis, like, this it's me you know like I'm the person that has to figure this out um and so that was a scary moment but also it felt empowering in other ways because it it felt like you know I can choose how to do this I can decide you know how I parent I can decide what I make of this journey so um yeah but I I do remember that moment of, of feeling like you know, who's going to come for this baby? <laughs> it, it just didn't feel real up until then. Yeah. What makes you feel proud about your first year as a mother? I think making it through, you know, it, it sounds so simple, but, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it feels like forever and it feels like it's just going to, you know, you're just going to be stuck in that moment. And, you know, making it through feels like a big accomplishment because it doesn't feel like you can make it through when you're in the thick of it. Um, But yeah, I think just making it um, also just a personal growth. I think maybe you don't feel it in that moment, right? But when you can look back years later and and you see um, your own personal growth, um, your growth, you know, you know, if you're co-parenting and you have a partner your growth in your relationship right then you're able to see kind of um just the the positives that come out of it um but yeah definitely just feeling like you made it (laughs) felt like a proud moment and you mentioned you've named adjustment as a big part of your first year and I imagine with being in grad school and going from being being partnered to someone to co-parenting with someone like there was a lot of things in your life that changed pretty quickly it sounds like Mm -hmm. in that first year Mm -hmm. a lot of adjustments um kind of felt like things that you have years to adjust to you know Mm -hmm. were all were happening within this one year um and that was overwhelming that's what made I think that first year even more overwhelming for me for sure yeah So tell me about your child's first birthday. Gosh, you know, it's, I I have to really think about that one because it's, it almost feels like a blur now, (laughs) you know, Um, but I do, but I do remember she started walking. Um, She took a couple of her first steps on that day. So that was really special. Yeah. To see her take those first steps. Um, and it just kind of felt like our first birthday celebration, my husband's and I, like we made it, you know, we, we got through this year 
we didn't just keep her alive. Like she seemed to be thriving. Like she was such a happy child and so talkative already at that age. And she was taking her first steps. So um, we didn't do anything big. It was just a really small um, cake and little get together with with grandparents. Um, but it was special that we saw her, you know, also, you know, see, we got to witness one of her milestones on that, on that birthday. So that definitely stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super special. So the decision to have a child is so complicated. And then especially when there's mental health struggles after in the postpartum period, what was it like for you and your partner, your husband to decide to have more children? Yeah, we always, you know, so before we even got pregnant with our first, like we were already in talks of a family, right? It just came sooner than we had planned. Um, But we'd always imagined having, you know, at least three babies. He comes from a big family. I come from a small family. And um, I just love the like chaos, (laughs) like the, the busy homes. So I was on board with having you know, more than two children. I actually wanted four. Um, But after having my third and being outnumbered, um, we said, there's no way. But yeah, having that, like planning for more children um, was really just something that we had always kind of envisioned for ourselves. We wanted a a larger family. and we felt ready, I would say, as ready as you can be after our first baby. Like she extended so much grace to us as parents, right? And and kind of helped us through and that that first year of parenthood. And um, she turned out just great. Like she's so awesome. And seeing her be awesome and be this her own little person reassured us that okay I think we can do this again you know and Mm -hmm. by the the second time it was there was a lot of planning involved and so I felt more ready um just mentally emotionally to to take on that role um and my second pregnancy was pretty smooth and so was the postpartum period um my third was also you know part of the plan but I think that one really threw me off because I was outnumbered. I don't know. Um, but I, I definitely had a, a, a tougher time with my third baby. Um, I also, during my pregnancies, had a lot of morning sickness, like pretty much through the entire nine months. So that was really like depressing, you know, like it was, I was just not myself. I couldn't be myself for my children. Um, so already, like I was exhausted from the pregnancy and then like the postpartum period just rocked my world, you know? So after our third, we decided, okay, we got our, our family. We're definitely, we're definitely done. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, as much as I wanted four, there's no way that we could make that happen without it starting to impact the quality of life for our entire family, you know? Sure. Yeah. What delights you about each of your kids right now? Oh my gosh, they're, you know, it's chaos right now, Molly, <laughs> in the house. Um, but they're, they're personalities, you know, like they're each just so different. Um, my nine-year-old, she's always been this sassy, 
just creative little diva girl, you know, and she keeps us on our toes and calls us out and she's, you know, runs the house. Um, she's, she's definitely our little boss lady around here. Um, and then we have um, our five-year-old who's just wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, he's just the sweetest, uh, looks out for everyone, um, is just memorizes like facts. Like, I don't know how he remembers so many things, you know, and he corrects us all the time on like dino facts and animal facts. And um, it's just a kind of a joy, you know, to see him come in into his own and and to be so confident in in um you know what he's learning and um he's you know he says he wants to be a scientist so hopefully that turns out (laughs) and then our two-year-old he's just wild he's our wild child he just runs around the house um causing chaos and, and messing with other kids um so he he knows he's the baby and he knows he can get away with it um so he's owning that yeah but it it's chaos and it gets overwhelming but there's always something going on something we need to make it to and some practice or some activity (laughs) but it's gotten to the point where like we could just sit back my husband and I and like they are just you know living their own little lives and like making things happen and we can just sit back and watch them and it's so cool to see their relationships um, just, just them build that relationship, take care of each other, you know? So yeah, I feel like we've made it Molly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, This is like the family, the big, full, loud household that you had in mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> what words of encouragement or wisdom do you have for moms who are in it right now? You know, I heard this the other day, um, and it really resonated, um, and so like we have seasons of giving and then we have seasons of receiving. Um, and as a new parent, we're in the season of receiving. And I would say like, it's so important to rely on your support systems. Um, you know, it's okay to say, I don't know what I'm doing. The majority of us don't know what we're doing, you know, and, and to ask for help. Um also that it's never too late to ask for help. You know, like I reached out on my, after my third baby. Um, so if at any point, like it feels like just unbearable or overwhelming, or you just don't feel like yourself that, you know, it's okay to reach out to, to friends and family. And if that doesn't feel, you know, safe or, you know, like, like you're able to maybe lean on those systems there's a lot of support out there, a lot of resources now, you know, a lot of support groups. I love to see, like, I always get those in my feed now. And it's really cool. I'm like, where were these? I don't remember seeing these come up in my feed. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of help out there. So I would say, like, don't wait also for things to feel really bad. You know, like, you can get help at any point in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think... One resource that I wish I'd known about um, is Postpartum Support International. And I didn't know about that until like recently. And they just have so many support groups and so many resources and hotlines and like just chat, I think, or 
texting capability. I don't know. Like you can reach out a lot of different ways now, it seems. Um, so I wish yeah. I had known about that resource, right? Because they can definitely, um, you know, connect you to to the supports that you're needing in that moment. Yeah. For sure. Where could people find you to connect? Yeah. So I would say right now, probably through you is the best way. I, I am very passionate about perinatal mental health and I am an aspiring um, uh, perinatal mental health therapist. I, I hope to make that happen, um, but I, I don't yet have like, you know, my pages or anything like that set up. Um, when I do, then I will share that with you and I'd be happy, um, you know, for you to share that with others. But um, yeah, right now, if anyone wants to connect through you would be the best way. Sounds good. Right, Bernice, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your story with us. I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of the experiences and the feelings that you shared about will really resonate with a, with a lot of moms. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if you did, you might want to subscribe to the podcast so you could be the first to know when new episodes air. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links, resources, or information that we mentioned in this episode. Thank you for listening.